Welcome to the 20 Minutes of Filler podcast, episode 14. 20 Minutes of Filler sells out. (laughs) (laughs) So hey, this is Jason Katarski. And this is Andy Lennox. And we are here to bring you content all about the great little games that are good for on the go, that are good for bringing new people into this kind of tabletop gaming hobby, for for good kind of quick... condensed game time that you have between like while your kids are napping or while you've got a lunch break these games are known as fillers while you're driving down the road oh yeah totally (laughs) totally acceptable (laughs) waiting in the doctor's office 20 minutes of fillers not condone driving and gaming at the same time Unless you're playing the license plate game on a, on a hellishly long drive, that's with your a kids. whole new episode. That's a, that's an episode idea we got to do. Driving games, driving <laughs> games you play while driving down the road, dude. I am um, pretty rocking at I Spy with my five year old. Let me tell you, <laughs> she is terrible. <laughs> so easy to beat. Um, hey, we have some big news uh, that we are going to share with you today. We're really excited about it. Um, I'm going to go back in time just a little bit, and. Um, Kind of, you've heard this before on the, if you've been listening to the show, but I got into gaming uh, because of my wife, and she introduced me to Settlers of Catan. I fell in love. And, and then I, he took it way too far. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hence the boxes of games overflowing all around I like me. games. I think I'll put one out and fill my house with them. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll start a show about them. And then I'll, and then I'll count them in inventory them and rate them on, online. <laughs> um, it's great, though. It's 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 really a great hobby to be involved with. But one of the things that really helped me early on is when I dug into that internet uh, black hole, I, I, I googled European board games or games like Settlers of Catan, and I came across uh, the Board Games with Scott video show, which was this guy named Scott Nicholson who did a lot of great uh, video reviews uh, of these really obscure, to me at least, games that just looked amazing, as well as a guy named Tom Vassell who did a, a, a similar thing, reviews of board games called the dice tower and he also had a podcast called the dice tower podcast and they just kind of explored all kinds of new games talked about things that were gaming related and uh, really helped introduce me to a lot of what this gaming community is all about and um these days this is what tom does tom vassal is a full-time board game dude player 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 reviewer podcaster um, he owns the empire that is the base tower. <laughs> he it, is the capo de capi, <laughs> which is which is he's also a game designer, which is all about the capo de capi, right? It's called nothing personal. But um, so one of the things that that, that Tom has done um, is created the the Dice Tower Network, which is a group of podcasts and video casts that promote excellence and, and fun in gaming and that's it and we don't have anything else to say that's all that's all we just we just wanted to point that out to you and that we are now a part of the dice tower network yeah that's what we mean we say congratulations we say, hey Jason. you too buddy you were you really earned this man you did a really great job thanks thanks um so this that's why we say we sell out because we've joined the conglomerate right like the man the man yeah. being Tom Vassell. When right? do we get our cubicles? <laughs> I just want a ring, you know, like <laughs> so people know across the room that I'm a part of the the Dice Tower Mafia. When are we gonna start getting like weird job requests? <laughs> I have um, an offer you can't refuse. 
soon hopefully but um (laughs) we we uh we thought one of the ways that we would kind of celebrate this besides just letting you guys know that we're part of the dice tower network is we would we would share just a little bit about um kind of what it means to be a part of the dice tower network and uh give you an idea of some of the other shows that are a part of the network now there's a lot of shows so we can't cover them all but uh, we'll hit some of the some of the highlights so if you are a part of the network and we don't mention you it's not because we don't value you and love you it may just be because uh we haven't heard your show yet or because um well i don't know because we're jerks <laughs> maybe maybe could be <laughs> so andy why don't you just share uh share about a couple shows that, that stand out to you when you look at the dice tower network list start first though let me mention this if you want to find out all the list of dice tower network shows it is dice tower network dot com that is on the internet yes uh so the flagship podcast is called the Di- it's the Dice Tower podcast, and kind of how I found out about a, all the other podcasts in the network that I do listen to, uh, I've learned by listening to that one because it is the central hub of all podcasting for the Dice Tower network. Yeah, people um, um, kind of put in like little con- con- contributors, so they might do a top ten list in the Dice Tower mm-hmm. and hear from all the other shows who submit. Like, yeah. okay, my favorite game about uh, bologna and cheese is this. And then people throw in. So then you hear, like, I'm from this show, and it's really helpful to kind of... The top ten bologna and cheese sandwich (laughs) games. So there's uh, Eric Summer and Tom Vassell host that, and they are hilarious. And the the show is entertaining and informative. And you should check it out. Yeah, totally cool. Uh, One of my favorites, too, is Ludology. It's a... uh, Me and Jason both... uh, Design games. So, a little bit. A little, a little we bit. Da- we dabble. We dabble. <laughs> and uh, that's all they talk about on that show is game design and game theory and topics related to that. They've been doing this really cool series lately on, like, the history of board games. So they've gone through, like, each decade of, like, trying to find the most influential games and how those games affected games today. Like, oh, in the 1960s, which which games really affected what's going on now? Um so that's a really cool show. I you should check it out. That's Jeff Engelstein and Ryan Sturm's show, Ludology. Dudes, dudes that are way smarter than me. I can't speak for Andy. I won't just throw him under the bus. But <laughs> super smart dudes that smart dudes make me feel like I maybe shouldn't design board games. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the ones I want to point out um, is one of my favorite people uh, is the host uh, from the United Kingdom, and his name is Michael Fox, and he does a show called The Little Metal Dog Show, and it's a great show full of interviews, um, uh, really good g- convention coverage for the conventions I don't get to go to, the ones like UK Games Expo and Essen, um, because they're you know far away, but I also like him because he runs Sprocket Games, who published my game Frog Flip, so um, I've gotten to know him through that, and he's just a, a stand-up guy, and he's got a great accent, and he provides... Uh, some good gaming content. I like his interviews. They're always really... He keeps it moving really well, and he has a good rapport with the guests. And he does... A lot of his topics that he does are, like, sort of eclectic and, like, something... And stuff you don't hear on every other outlet. So I, I like that podcast a lot. Yeah, and it's a wide variety. It's, like, somebody who's just starting out, like, who's who's just going to publish their first game, and then somebody like James Ernest from Cheap Ass Games. So, like, yeah. a wide variety of He of was guests. interviewing the guy... What's his name? I can't remember now. Uh, the guy from Chessex. Oh, okay. And how and they went. He went into this thing about how they how they got into producing dice and how you make dice and a lot of like the like intricacies of lasering things onto dice. And it That's was super geeky. Was super geeky, but I, yeah, I was enthralled. Very cool. 
Another one, um, a couple that come to mind um, just off the top of my head is the Secret Cabal Gaming Podcast and Exploring Games with Chris Norwood um, because they both really, uh, they gave positive reviews of my game, The Great Heartland Howling Company. <laughs> That's one way of getting it. <laughs> yeah, you show. know. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll give you a shout out if you like my game. Um, actually, uh, Ryan Metzler just did a really good review for the Dice I Howler saw that, of, and of if I had too. to guess, I would have been like, nope, he's, he's not going to hate it. it. I know, I know. And he, he was into it. likes heavier you Games, it seems but he dug it so that's good um so there's uh not just any other gaming podcast flip the table the cardboard jungle one of my all-time favorites the d6 generation uh one of the first gaming podcasts i started listening to was the d6 generation i've been listening to it for a long time and i haven't listened to it lately because i haven't had between six and 14 hours to listen to one of their episodes <laughs> It is. It's seriously long, but if you ever have like a Warhammer army that you need to paint all of it in one sitting, like it's the perfect <laughs> podcast to listen to because those dudes are really funny and they have really good content and they explain at the end of every show they explain a board game so in depth that you could turn around and teach someone how to play it without having ever played the game. <laughs> that's that's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool p- podcast. Just a couple more I want to mention before we move on to the next uh, kind of section of the show. Uh, uh, Friends, the Happy Mitten podcast. Uh, they're p- new publishers, but they're covering the game industry. Um, Jeff was uh, on our show uh, a while back when I was uh, on the way home from uh, Protospiel, uh, Milwaukee. And then the other one I want to mention is... Uh, the Geek All-Stars, my friend Dan Patrice and, and uh, Chris Kirkman from Dice Hate Me Games, as well as a, a rotating gas cast of some other some mm-hmm. other friends. They just create uh, some some fun conversations about board games, about comic books, about movies. So they cover all things geek, not just uh, the board game space. So if you need a little more variety, it's cool. But um, one of the things we, we were talking about, Andy, is just just why... Why podcasts? Like, what do you like about podcasts? Like, why do you listen to these shows? You know, it, there's something about the format that, like, like I lately it's like if I had a choice between podcasts and TV, it'd be podcasts. Like, I just prefer podcasts to so many other medium because, like, you can listen to podcasts and be completely entertained and do other things at the same time. It doesn't like require all of your attention, and it also sort of feels like. You, you get familiar with the hosts and you feel like you're hanging out with them and then you see them at a con and you're like, I know that person. Well, actually, I don't. <laughs> it's totally it's it's a really weird you you set up these weird connections bet- between yourself and, and the hosts of the podcast because you listen to them week in and week out and you feel like you know them and you and it's way more interactive, especially in the in the um, in the board gaming world, because. This is a really small community, and at the end of every show, we give you our Twitter handles. And mm-hmm. so you can just, like, pop in and talk to us. So it's a really interactive thing. Like, uh, there's another podcast that I listen to a lot that's um, called Something From Nothing. And it's not part of the Dice Tower Network, but they, they're doing their own thing. And, like, they were recording a live show, and I was, like, t- typing Twitter messages to them while they were doing the live show. And then they were responding to me, like... And that that was just so neat to me that, like, something that I listen to every week and then all of a sudden I'm involved in it. You get it. to be a part of it, You yeah. get to be a part of the community. You can, like, really insert yourself into those conversations and you can make friends and become a part of the community yourself by just, you know, joining in the conversation. And that's why I, I really, like, I love podcasts. I love podcasting. I love the format. I love everything about them. So... Yeah, dude, that's cool. Yeah. yeah, like when I watch, uh, you know, Twenty Four, 
Jack Bauer like never tweets back at me. <laughs> I know he's a jerk. I don't get to be a part of saving the world again. Yeah, and I'm actually we're we're when we're recording this, dude. I'm missing we're missing the new premiere of we're missing a lot of stuff right now because we love you guys and we want to bring you content about great little games. So let's get to it, man. So what are some what's a great little game you've played lately? I played I played this great little game uh, called Cardline Animals, and it's published by Bombix, uh, which is distributed by Asmodee here in the U.S. and And this is a cool little game by a guy named uh, I think his name is uh, uh, Friedrich. Now I gotta look at the box because I'm being ridiculous. Friedrich Moyer son is that a name of a person? <laughs> Moyerson. Did you hear me shuffling? That um, I guess that. Re- oh no, Friedrich. Henry, I apologize, there you go. is the author of Cardline Animals. So Cardline Animals is really cool because it's just a deck of animal cards. And it's got the really great illustrations on them. Uh, and on the back side of the card, there are three features. There's um, a length kind of feature. There's an average weight feature. And there is a uh, average lifespan feature. So you, you get four cards in front of you, four random animals, and then in the middle of the table, one card goes, and you flip it to the side that shows these different features. Before you play the game, you choose, are we going to do a game that's about um, size, uh, weight, or lifespan? And you, so if we were doing one about lifespan, we would just only pay attention to that one feature. So the rat comes up, and the rat you know has a lifespan of three years. And these four cards in front of you, you don't know what any of them have, but you get to choose one and say, I'm going to put this in line here with these other animals wherever I think it goes. So if I think it lives longer than a rat, I put it to the uh, right of a, a rat. If I think it's not going to live as long as a rat, I put it to the left and or anywhere in between wherever it fits. Then I reveal if I'm right, the card stays in line. If I'm wrong, I discard that card and I have to get a new one. And the goal of the game is to, to get rid of uh, your cards first. So it's a super light game. But one of the things I really loved about this game is is that it's going to be different every time because there's a ton of different animal cards in this little $15 deck. And also, um, it's educational without feeling like I have to learn anything, you know? So, so when I'm, uh, you know, you're, you're learning about the sizes of these different animals. You're learning about their lifespan. You're learning about how much they might weigh. Um, you're learning about what uh, family they're a part of. Like, there's a little icon on the front of the card that, that tells you, okay, this is a reptile or this is a mammal. So it gives you a sense of, of that. So if you're teaching a kid something about, like, animal life, or um, this might be the game to do that. There's a little gauge that, that gives you an idea of how... What is the risk for extinction of that animal? So it, it they pack a lot of information that's totally not necessary for the game, yeah. but adds a lot of uh, interest to the game. So um, and the pictures are beautiful. They look like like an elementary school biology textbook. Yeah, it's they're awesome. The art the artist is somebody named uh, Gail. Lanurian. She so, uh, was busy because uh, there's a lot of cards. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if it's a she or not because it's a name from an it's a different kind of spelling. Oops. But they did great. So they did great. <laughs> it. <laughs> it did fantastic artwork, and it comes in this great little tin, the same kind of tin as the game builders that we talked about um, mm. oh, yeah. a few episodes back. Um, now there's a bigger game by Friedman Fries called Fauna, which is kind of like a big Euro game where you're doing similar things. You're trying to guess these things about animals, but I, but I've heard this and I haven't played Fauna, but I hear it's great for the same reasons. Like it's educational, but it's also an engaging game. But it's a little bigger. This is a game that takes five to ten minutes to play, um, and it's super light. Who would you recommend it for? I would recommend this for anybody. 
like a, a, a game you play with your kids, with your family, uh, relatives that came in from out of town, a quick filler in between, um, bigger games while you're waiting for people to show up. I played it with uh, a, my, my game night, which is typically like people who are either new to the hobby or in the hobby, and it, w and it went over well. We had a good laugh. We played for five minutes until the next people showed up, and then we got started on something else. So, cool. yeah, it's worth checking out. It's Cardline Animals. The game I'm going to recommend today is... Not one I would recommend to everyone. However, it is probably one of my favorite games in my collection right now, and that is called Splendor. Splendor is a game about collecting gems, and, uh, well, the theme's pretty thin. <laughs> <laughs> but there's uh, five different colors of gems, and they're represented by these poker chips that you can collect. There's four different actions in the game. You can pay, You can take three different poker colors of poker chips. If there's enough gems in a pile of chips, you can take two of the same color as a different action. Um, there's a bunch of cards out on the table, and um, you are trying to purchase these cards with the gems. One of the actions you can take is to reserve one of those cards by taking it into your hand. And when you do that, you get a special gold chip that is like a wild card for all the different gems. And um, that's another action you can take is to reserve a card. And then in the fourth action you can take is to spend your gems to purchase a card. Each card is worth, it takes a certain number of gems to purchase. It can be worth a number of points in the upper left-hand corner. It says how many points it's worth. And then in the upper right-hand corner, there's a picture of a gem. Whenever you buy a card with a gem on it, it reduces the costs of all the cards that you buy in the future. So if you buy, for example, a card with a blue gem on it, all the cards that have a blue gem in their cost are reduced by one. So you're building your tableau of these gem cards so that it gets cheaper and cheaper to buy uh, more cards. There's three different levels of cards. There's like really easy ones to buy, and then there's middle, and then there's really expensive ones that are worth more money. And then there's three, like, uh, there's between three and five um, objectives that are like these nobles that when you complete the objectives by getting the right number of cards in your tableau they are like bonus points that you just get automatically without needing to take an action um, the game is really dead simple to teach I'd say it, it, there's those four actions and that's it um, but it is really really puzzly and I would play this with any like game as a filler with like hardcore gamers. And I tend to I tend to review and recommend a lot of games like that where it is a thinkier game. It is going to require like more anal more analysis. There's a there is definitely a chance for analysis paralysis in this game. It is not an easy game. It is it feels like an abstract puzzle game. Um and I would recommend it for, like like I said, more hardcore gamers and people that really want to tackle a meteor puzzle in a very short period of time. Me and Jason played it before the show, and it, <laughs> it took us 20 minutes for two players. Yeah, maybe something like that. And I, and I played it with four, and it was pushing 35 minutes. So it it it's one of those gray area games where it's... It can be a filler, and with people familiar with it, it's going to be a filler. But if people are learning, it might not... You know, it might sort of yeah. be more of a it, well it's it, just so easy to teach i think it does fit that that category exactly um but but it, the one thing that 
it's dead silent. Like we played this game like chess players. Like, right. We're not talking this whole 20 minutes. We're just looking at the board, like thinking about, okay, if I get this gem and this gem and this combination then I can get this card, but Oh, he took that one. So now I got to think about what I've got and what I'm going to get. And it, um, it reminded me like, and I haven't played this game in a long time, but the first thing that came to mind was Sid Saxon, like the classic game he did called bizarre where it's like, trading gems it's just like it's just this really like elegant smart design Mm -hmm. but but it's dead simple to get into like right here's four things you can do here's what you're trying to do go like i wanted to play it again but i knew it was gonna make me tired and it doesn't (laughs) it doesn't sound like there's a ton of interaction in it until you start until you get going because you realize you can completely deplete one of the piles of chips and just sit on them so I could mm-hmm. take the last red chip. I could just start hoarding red chips. Nobody else can use red chips, and if I don't spend them, they don't go anywhere, and everybody's sort of stuck. Um, yeah, the game get... the game still moves, but it's a good like way to slow other people down and do some blocking. Yeah. The other thing is, is you can reserve a card, and at first you're like, why would I spend a whole turn just taking a card? Well, that's because you you can see what chips other people are taking, and you can just snatch the cards that they're going for right under their nose. Um, so that's there's a push your luck aspect in it where you want to maybe grab that card before you start working towards it so that other people don't grab it, like take it from you first. But on the other hand, it's sort of like you're you're wasting a whole turn doing that. You could have gotten three chips, so you don't want to overdo it. Um, there's a lot of layers to this game. There's a lot of emergent gameplay, and it's really it's a good time. But you know, you're not gonna want to play it with your kids. You're not gonna play it with. You're not gonna want to play it. Introduce someone to the hobby with it, unless they're like a chess player or a go player or something. Yeah, yeah. But it's a great game, and I'm I'm bringing it out a lot lately, and I recommend you do too. Yeah, and that one's from as distributed by Asmo D. Who's the designer of that one? That is Mark Andre. Mark Andre. Cool. Well, there you have it, folks. Uh, we have some lighter fare with Cardline Animals and something a little more gamier, uh, a little more thinky uh, with Splendor. Uh, thanks for tuning in. This is the 20 Minutes of Filler Podcast. Proud members of the Dice Tower Network. Can we get an Eric Summerer bumper to come to come <laughs> after this? I bet we might be able to line something like that up. That'd be blinging. <laughs> <laughs> um, thanks again for tuning in. We, we hope that between now and the next time you hear us, you get out there and you play some great little games. Take care.